0: Welcome to West Church. We're so thankful you've joined us today. Whether you're joining us in person or virtually, we're excited to come together to praise, worship, and receive God's glory. If this is your first time with us, we'd like to give you a very special welcome. If you're returning, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate it, and we appreciate you. Now, let's prepare to be inspired and encouraged as we enter into worship. Christmas shows us that what we think we expect, what we would typically expect, what is the ordinary and what is the usual, is completely unusual. For instance, if you wanted to make it big in politics, where would you go? Where? Washington DC If you wanted to make it big in acting where would you go Hollywood. Hollywood or Broadway right If you wanted to make it big in finance where would you go Wall Street, Wall Street New York City <laughs> If you wanted to make it big in technology Silicon Valley Internet, yes, yes. (laughs) Everybody knows where you need to go if you want to make it big. There are big people and there are little people. There are big cities and there are little cities. There is big money and there's little money. There's big popularity and there's obscurity. Nobody wants to be the little guy. Except maybe Jesus. We've been doing a series together entitled The Child of Promise. What we have seen is that the coming of Jesus is not just some random event, but actually is the fulfillment of what God has been doing all along in the history of redemption through His people Israel. And centuries before Jesus was born, prophets spoke about what was to come about the one who was to come, that he was a king, that he was a deliverer of God's people, that he was a special one, that he was someone big, or maybe not. When Jesus is born, a group of foreign astrologers called magi show up in Jerusalem looking for the newborn king of Israel in order to worship him. So where do they go? Jerusalem. Why? Because that's the big city of Israel. That's the capital. That's where the kings rule. That's where kings are. But he's not there. They weren't even sure where he was. Herod the Great, the king of Israel, didn't know. Well, Jerusalem is also the capital of the Jewish faith and the the temple is there and and all of the intelligent scribes and the religious leaders of Israel. And they they search the Scriptures and they find the answer in the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. Where is he? He's in Bethlehem. Where? Bethlehem. Where? Exactly. Exactly. So the Magi leave the big city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, and travel about six miles south to the rural farming town of Bethlehem. There they find Jesus. What a strange story. It's really quite odd, isn't it? What's going on here? Why did the prophet Micah, some 700 years before Jesus was born, mention that the king was going to be born in Bethlehem? Why isn't he born in the big city where all of the most important people were? And here's what we see. He's a nobody king, not a big shot. And he's a shepherd king, not a tyrant. He's a nobody king, not a big shot, and he's a shepherd king, not a tyrant. In Micah, we read in the first couple verses, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancients of days. Micah is a prophet in the kingdom of Israel during a period that is known as the Divided Kingdom then Israel had split into two because of division the northern kingdom took the name Israel or also Ephraim and the southern kingdom was called Judah and it's this tremendously tumultuous time for the people of Israel if you've ever read through the books of the Hebrew Bible first and second kings and first and second chronicles it is like a spiritual and political roller coaster ride one king is faithful and rules for a time. The next king is a disaster and rules for a while. The king after that is faithful to the Lord. The king after that is unfaithful. And during the periods of unfaithfulness, what happens is God allows Israel's enemies to prosper against them. And the general trajectory of this spiritual and political roller coaster is gradually downwards. In Micah 5, verse 1, we find that Israel is surrounded by their enemies. It says, must your troops, O daughter of Jerusalem. Siege is laid against us. God is chastising His unfaithful people, but they are not without hope. Why? Because in the unimportant agricultural town of Bethlehem, off the beaten trail, away from the big city where the action is, where the battle is, God is going to bring a new king. He's going to bring a deliverer. It's interesting because there was another really, really famous king way before this in Bethlehem by the name of David. He was the youngest of seven brothers. He, David, was a nobody. And when Samuel the prophet came to Bethlehem to choose a king from among the people of Jesse's seven sons, Jesse doesn't even invite David, the youngest, to come to meet the important prophet. Jesus, Jesse brings all his older sons his stronger sons, his important sons, his handsome sons, to meet God's important prophet, and God keeps telling the prophet, "Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one. Nope, not that one." And it says this in 1 Samuel 16:7. But the Lord said to Samuel, "Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees." Man looks on the outward appearance of things, but the Lord looks on the heart. (laughs) So after six sons, finally the prophet Samuel says to Jesse, you have any other sons? And Jesse says, well, yeah, I've got the youngest one. He's out in the wilderness watching over my sheep. Why would you want him? He's the one. And the prophet says, David was the least of his brothers, and God chose him to be king because he was the most God-loving of the entire bunch. Micah told Israel long before the birth of Jesus that God was going to do it over again. He's going to pick a king from the least important place, not the most important place. God's Redeemer is not a big shot as the world measures big shots. Jesus is not a big shot king. He is a king who has an inward heart for God like no other person that ever lived. The downfall of the kings of Israel was that they were in it for themselves. When people told them that they were great, they said, you know what? I am pretty great. And they started drinking the Kool-Aid and eating up all the praise. Who cares about the little people? If you're in charge, the little people exist to serve me. Is there anybody here who is able to quote the most famous verse that is known in the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verse 8? If you know it, say it with me. He has told you, O man what is good and what does the lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your god that's what all the kings of israel were missing they used the people and they didn't walk humbly with their god you know outside a church today christmas is all about the glitz isn't it It's about the hustle and the bustle and the traffic and the hunting and the gathering and the buying and the giving and getting and money and light and fun. But in here, it's about Jesus. Born a king, but not in the big city. Born in the middle of nowhere, a redeemer from God who has the heart of God. Christianity is not about making a big splash in the world so that everyone can see it and get on the popular trend of Jesus. It's more about getting off of the treadmill of life and pausing to see a king who is unlike any other that you can't see with a normal eye. Jesus doesn't care what other people think of him. He's not trying to be popular. He just does... Whatever his God, his Father, wants him to do, hard stop. Jesus is a big-shot king looking for the world to give him accolades. He doesn't need the approval of Jerusalem. He doesn't need the approval of Washington, York, Los Angeles. He just needs to honor God, his Father, not a king for himself. Jesus isn't tempted by popularity, He's not tempted by power. He's not tempted to satisfy his desires beyond what his father wants for him. He's not tempted to lie. He's not tempted to lust for another person like a sex object. He doesn't use people. He treats all people with love. Jesus is a king after God's own heart. Money doesn't distract Jesus from what is right. He doesn't acquire a lot of stuff for himself. He doesn't feel pressured to conform to what other people expect of him. He's not jealous of what other people have. He's not threatened by those who disagree with him. He doesn't play for the crowd. He's not proud. He has his eye set on God and whatever God says, that is what he does. His heart is pure like no other. This is the kind of king that Israel has been seeking, maybe even the entire world, right? But you don't find him in the middle of the action. You find him in Bethlehem, off the beaten trail. You find him when you're looking for God, not that other stuff. You find him when you are humbled. You find him when you're needy. You find him when you let go of all of the other affections that pull your heart in so many different directions. Do you know the great king from the small town with a big heart for God? If you do, then the only right response is to worship him. Will you worship him today? But why does this matter? Why do we care if Jesus is good or not? What difference does it really make if Jesus is a leader with a heart from God? The second thing we see in Micah is that he is a shepherd king, not a tyrant. And we see this in verses 3 through 5. This nobody king born in Bethlehem is a shepherd king. He's the kind of king that gathers people together. The kind of king who watches over his people, who protects them rather than abandoning them, who feeds them rather than consuming them who goes after the lost ones rather than letting them get lost, who cares for them even at the cost of his very own life. Micah is a prophet of God at a time when the kings were really, really, really bad. They lived for themselves, they enriched themselves, they worshipped themselves, They didn't care about the people. They cared about themselves. The people were like sheep without a shepherd with nobody caring for them. And the new king from the little town of Bethlehem would be a good shepherd. He would care for God's sheep. As King David had begun as a young man as a shepherd of sheep and God made him a king, God would birth another king from the small town of Bethlehem that would shepherd his people again. And here's the strange thing. Jesus is born a king in Bethlehem, and do the people of Israel and Jerusalem come streaming down to worship him? No. They don't even know he's born. King Herod scratching his head, the priests and the scribes are searching the Scriptures trying to figure out what's going on, and three foreign astrologers, outsiders from Israel, outsiders to Judaism, outsiders to God, come looking for the king. They knew that a king was born before Israel ever knew a king was born. That's why he's not a big shot king born in a palace or in a cultural center of the world. Because Jesus has a heart for outsiders. He has a heart for those who are searching and looking. He has come to be a shepherd king looking for the lost sheep. When Jesus goes public and becomes a rabbi, he doesn't attract the famous, the rich, or the powerful. He attracts the broken, the poor, and the needy. People who are sick and powerless, they flock to him. People who are ignored and hated by the populace, they flock to him. Outsiders who would never be accepted by anybody else in the world are accepted by Jesus and become his insiders. People who are rejected of society, the poor and the underprivileged, the ignored, the downtrodden, the handicapped, the humble. They become the flock of Jesus. Ordinary people recognize in Jesus a goodness that important people are too proud to recognize. Jesus becomes a shepherd to the lost sheep The black sheep, the outcasts, the downtrodden, his flock is a flock of nobodies as the world would look at them. To the rich, Jesus says, you need to learn to become generous and give away all that you have. To the proud, Jesus says, you need to become humble. And stop looking down on those who have less than you. To the important, Jesus says, stop thinking like you're the most important thing and take the seat at the lowest part of the table. And if I want to move you up, I'll move you up. To the religious, Jesus says, you you need to stop thinking that you're better than everybody else. You need forgiveness from me as much as anybody else needs forgiveness from God. To the powerful, Jesus says, the power that I've given to you as the great king of the universe, you need to use that to help the people who need it the most, those who have no power to help themselves. Jesus is a shepherd king to those lowly enough to accept him as such. He's not ashamed of his humble followers. He doesn't shy away from people who have difficult questions that need answers. He doesn't avoid those who have been judged by society and found wanting. He's not afraid to touch the sick ones and offer them new life. He weeps and is filled with compassion for those the world has rejected. He is the good shepherd of the lost sheep. He loves people for whom God has made them in his image, not for what they can do for him. He is the shepherd king. This is why, for centuries, people still follow Jesus. He's not trendy. He's not in, He's not a big shot, He's not abusive, He's not hard-hearted, He's not selfish or cruel, He's not in it for Himself, He's in it for God and He's in it for you and me. He is the good shepherd who lays down His life for the sheep. Jesus loves people so much that He's actually willing to die for them, to give His own life. And having died and given His own life, God the Father loves Him so much that He raises Him back from the dead. And because the Good Shepherd gave His life for our sins and rose from the dead, now the Good Shepherd can give to you and I forgiveness of everything and every way that we've dishonored and disobeyed God and a brand new forever life that starts right now and lasts to eternity. And Jesus invites us to come and to follow him and to obey him and to receive new life from him. And that's why the nobody king came. He came to save his lost sheep. And all of the very first worshipers of Jesus were little people who found in Jesus all that the world had been longing for, had been hoping for. They found a good shepherd. What does the world say to us? The world says to us, hey, wait in line and you'll be seen when we have time for you. Press one if you need help for this. Press two if you need help for this. Press three if you need help for this. We are small and unimportant, but we are not unimportant to Jesus. The world says if you work hard enough, if you try hard enough, if you're strong enough, If you're smart enough or you're wealthy enough, maybe you can arrive at being somebody someday. We seldom ever seem to be enough. And Jesus is looking for those who know they're not enough. The world says, He who dies with the most toys wins. We work so hard. We seem to get so little. The world says you have to grab life by the chin hairs. You have, you need to promote yourself. You need to seize the day. You need to, everyone else seems to be getting all the big breaks while the rest of us have to slug it out to get this minuscule little sliver of the pie. And Jesus said in the, in me, the first will be last and the last will be first. If there really was a good shepherd for people, I think he would be a lot like Jesus. If Jesus is my good shepherd, he must really love me. If Jesus is my good shepherd, then he has to know me as I really am. If Jesus is my good shepherd, he must be able to do something for me that I cannot do for myself. If Jesus is that kind of a good shepherd, then you and I really should fall down and worship him. If Jesus is that kind of a good shepherd, then really, I really want to do anything, anything, That he asks me to do. If he's that good, then I will do anything that he wants me to do. Advent is about the coming of Jesus. He is the child of promise. He's a nobody king, not a big shot. He's a shepherd king, not a tyrant. Big shots tend to miss Jesus because they're too important to need a good shepherd. But if you're here today listening, Jesus welcomes people to himself who have questions. He welcomes people who have doubts. He welcomes people who have made a complete mess of their lives He welcomes people that nobody else even notices ordinary people, broken people, shattered people, people who are weighed down with things like shame and depression and anxiety and disease. He is the gatherer of lost sheep. He is the good shepherd. And if you see yourself in need of a good shepherd like that, come to him. (laughs) Come to him. Bring your heartaches, your weaknesses, your brokenness. Don't delay and come to him. Jesus is the good shepherd. He was born at Christmas for people like you and people like me. Let's pray. Our God, who is like you, Father, we worship you who planned this great plan of salvation. Jesus, we worship you for coming in humility in Bethlehem to be our Savior. In spirit, we praise you because you cause us to have eyes to see and hearts to believe that you are good. We worship you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We worship you, King Jesus, born at Christmas. Give us Hearts that are full of your love for us. That's all we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.